welcome to the GoTo Podcast. Each episode covers the brightest and boldest ideas from the world's leading experts in software development. Tune in for practical lessons, compelling theories, and plenty of inspiration. GoTo gathers the brightest minds in the software community to help developers tackle projects today, plan for tomorrow, and create a better future. Stay up to date with the latest in tech through GoTo's top-rated events held online and in-person in cities like Amsterdam, London, Copenhagen, and Chicago, and by subscribing to the GoTo Conference's YouTube channel, where you can find thousands more high-quality dev talks. Learn more at gotopia.tech. Hi, my name is Anne Curry, and I'm uh, one of the co-authors of the new O'Reilly book, Building Green Software, which is all about all the things that we need to do in the software industry to to to, to handle the energy transition and, and and what we need to be what we need to be up to. Uh, and today, I'm going to talk to you about the 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 latest one of the latest chapters to go live with the book, which is operational efficiency. Now. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to have to force myself to, to not b- talk about this for hours, just 10, 10 to 15 minutes, because it is the most important chapter in the book. And it's the longest chapter in the book, and it has the most in it of the book. And the reason why I say it's, it's the most important chapter is, it's controversial when I say it's the most important fa- chapter, because most people think that the most important chapter will be code efficiency. And in some, in some ways it is, but in terms of urgency and importance and priority, it isn't. So, um, code efficiency, if you're really, really good at making your code efficient, you'll ever, m- most people have seen the, um, the, the charts somewhere that's, that rank different languages in terms of how productive they are, how efficient they are. And you'll have probably seen the one that says that C is a hundred times more efficient than Python. Um, and uh, therefore you'll be thinking, well, hang on a minute, I'm never going to get a, a, a payoff as, as big as that. And you'd be right. I should be rewriting my stuff in C, not Python. But um, today I'm going to argue that actually operational efficiency is at this stage much, much more effective, even though in terms of operational efficiency, the best you're probably going to get is is a 10x improvement. So you'll cut 90% of your carbon emissions by using good operational techniques. So you'd, you'd be thinking, well, that's literally 10 times less good than um, code efficiency. But the reason why operational efficiency is so effective is because we're much closer to being able to do it. There, there's so much more uh, about operational efficiency that has been commoditized already than is the case with code efficiency. Now, there's 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 some really good stuff going on with the commoditization of code efficiency. Um, if you if you start looking into things like Python compa- um, being compiled down to C level performance, uh, the new languages like Mojo, which have similar effects, but there is work. To, to improve the uh, efficiency of um, code whilst keeping developer productivity. But that's sort of still at a very early stage. Operational efficiency is much further down the line. It is much closer to being commoditized. There's a lot more you can buy off the shelf. So that's, that's kind of the main reason. Well, so is it the main reason? It is one of the reasons why operational efficiency is where we need to be looking next. But the, the other reason why uh, which we need to be looking at operational efficiency is it kind of is more, it's more fundamental than code efficiency is. 
So for example, say I had a, a monolith that was written in Python and I went to all the efforts and, and it would be a lot of efforts to rewrite that completely and re-architect it for, for good um, carbon awareness, maybe put in some microservices, all that kind of stuff to make it a hundred times more efficient. Say I did that and it would take me ages and it would make the stuff very hard to maintain in the future. At the moment, things will improve, but at the moment, uh, it would be extremely custom work that I was putting in there. If I ran it, if I just, if I went, hooray, I've done that. I've reduced the uh, amounts of uh, CPU and memory and all, all these kinds of resources and bandwidth it requires by 99%. If I run it on the same machine, then I don't actually really get any of that benefit or very little of that benefit. If you reduce how much a machine is used by 99%, you don't actually save that much. You don't save any embodied carbon and you don't save that much of the electricity used to power it either because most of the effort is in keeping a machine turned on rather than actually doing anything. So fundamentally, if you don't right size your application, you don't move it to a VM or a machine that is actually the same size as you've just shrunk it to, then you really don't get that much benefit from it, uh, from the, from the work that, from the enormous amount of work that you did to shrink the uh, application. So what I'm saying there is that the, the operational move, the moving the machine, that moving the application to a machine that's the right size for it or a VM that's the right size for it is more fundamental than actually tuning it. It's what you have to learn how to do that before you really get any benefit from the enormous amount of work uh, that you'll get from code efficiency. The co-authors, all, all the three of us who are writing the book and, and the Green Software Foundation as well, what we want is, is for everybody to start moving in the bit that's already commoditized and is more fundamental, which is the operational efficiency side, get really, really shit hot at that while we're putting pressure on the code efficiency folk, those platforms to become green and make that easier for us. So, so in terms of ordering, it's operational efficiency first, because otherwise, you know, if you did it the other way around, as I said, you don't get that much benefit. Uh, and actually that is the way, fortunately, that's also the way that commoditization has worked, that we're, we're more commoditized on operational efficiency than we are on, on code efficiency. So operational efficiency. Now, Literally, this is the longest chapter in the book. So I've got an awful lot of stuff and I'm going to have to really, really whiz through it here. I would say falls into three areas. Uh, you've got turning off machines that aren't used or are underused. That's uh, the, the kind of ops. There's a new kind of ops that entirely revolves around that, prob that problem, which is not as easy to solve as you might think, uh, is light switch ops. Uh, then after that, You've got to be looking at things like increasing your multi-tenancy, using auto-scaling, right-sizing, removing over-provisioning. And that's it more or less falls into the remit of DevOps. And then finally, when you really, really get really hot at this, really fantastically good at this, you're looking at uh, SRE, the, 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 at the moment, the, the, the peak of ops performance, which is uh, site reliability engineering, initially developed by Google. Because what I'm, what I'm telling you here about uh, green and efficient ops is just efficient ops. It's just, it's, it's, there's nothing new. There's nothing magic about it being green. It's just really good ops. So once you're, you're absolutely 
top of your game at doing ops, you will naturally be green, which is another good reason why ops is a good place to start, because you can sell it for other reasons than being green. You can sell it for cost-saving reasons, security reasons, and actually, oddly enough, productivity reasons, because a lot of these techniques that allow you to deploy more quickly will actually improve the the productivity of your developers. And you'll, you'll find that that is often the easiest sell to make if you can go faster deploy faster, deploy more securely, deploy more confidently, then that's that's the kind of story that your your company will like to hear because it means you'll be able to get features out faster and try them out. So no more of that. It's like the reverse of the old waterfall days, which were my days. <laughs> we don't want to go back to them. So in terms of um, operations, what are we looking at? Light switch ops. So light switch ops is the, uh, is, is an idea being championed by Holly Cummins, who's an IBM engineer. And the, uh, the idea is that we often don't turn off machines that we, that we should be turning off either because they're not really very, very well used or they're, um, they're just not used at all because we fear that if we turn them off, we won't be able to turn them back on again. There's, there's lots of reasons why we keep machines around that, that aren't, that aren't actually effectively used. And that's a waste of power. And it's a really waste of those servers that could be used for something more effective. But we, 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 we don't necessarily always know which machines they are. So some work is required to find that out. But also we, we fear turning them off in case you might turn, might not be able to turn them back on again. Resolving that is, is probably your 101. It's the first thing that we need to be working on, making sure that we can safely turn off any machine in our systems. So an, an example of the kind of level of savings you get from this, it's, as I say, it's a security hole if you've got machines that you don't really understand what they're doing anymore. And, you know, it's just, it's just a sign that you're, you're losing control of what's going on in your data centers. But it's incredibly common. So the best example I heard about this recently was uh, VMware moving a data center in Singapore. They were moving the data center, please standard stuff. And they wanted to, to, to not move more than they had to. So they decided to do a full audit of um, what, what was running on all of the machines that they were moving. Uh, and what they discovered was that two thirds of the machines in that data center were not doing anything that really mattered to them anymore. That they were was old, you know, a couple of users, not really, that, that, that absolutely was not worth their while moving that from to the, to the machine. It's two thirds. So, Light switch ops is there, but, but it's quite, it can be very hard to work out which machines you can turn, you can turn off. There's one, a couple of really good techniques for this. Um, there's, there's the scream test. Just turn the machine off, find out if anybody screams. That works quite well. But again, you might fear that if you don't, if you worry that you're not going to be able to turn the machine back on again. Another thing is that all, mach- all resources are provisioned for six months. And if no one says, no, I want this again, in six months' time, then it's not popular enough to warrants being kept on. But again, you've got to tie this in with with the light switch ops. So, so fun, the idea of light switch ops is that you you go through and you take the pain of working out which machines you can you, you need to turn off, and you take the risk that you might turn some of them off and not be able to turn them back on again. But from then on, everything is automated so that you can automatically turn it off and on again and that you test that. And then you use that to turn off machines that are no longer in use, but also machines that you don't, that are on at the moment, but you don't need to be on. So for example, the obvious example is test systems at the weekend 
or um, development environments in the uh, night and in the weekends. Light switch offs. The idea that you can turn machines on. Uh, oh, this all comes from the idea that at night you don't not turn your lights off because you're afraid that they won't turn back on again in the morning. If you were afraid that they wouldn't turn on back, back on again in the morning, you wouldn't turn them off at night. But you always do. Uh, and that's, well, with LED light bulbs, it doesn't necessarily save you that much. But uh, in the olden days, it used to save you a lot of money turning your lights off when you weren't in the room or, or uh, and you were in bed. But it only works because you're quite confident you can turn them back on again. And the aim is that with your systems, you are as confident as turning on your lights that you will be able to turn them back on again. And that way you can turn them off without fear. So that's that's light switch ops. The next thing is is DevOps. It's really, it's also scaling. It's, it's about, don't it, once you've, you've done your light switch off, you turned off the stuff that you don't need anymore. The next thing to look at is not over, over provisioning. Now, I can talk forever about why over provisioning happens and it's perfectly sensible, but in the long run, we've got to cut back on over provisioning. And there are various ways you can do that. You could use auto scaling. You can use orchestrators to make sure that things are moved around from place to place and scaled up and scaled down. Fundamentally, right-sizing is, is the next step in the process of operational efficiency. And it's, it's the kind of thing that's covered by DevOps. It's, it is a very difficult thing to do. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this as if, you know, it's, it's like obvious that you, you do DevOps and that you, you, you make all this stuff work, but it's, it's really not. It's, it's hard. It requires an investment. But it is part of, if you look at companies that are doing well in operations these days, a lot of them are doing it so that they can be releasing code on a, on an hourly basis, on a minutely basis, on a 10 minutely basis, really, really fast. Uh, and, and this all tends to go hand in hand with that. Getting good at DevOps, getting good at how you control your systems, getting orchestrators in place, starting to wrap workloads in things like um, containers, which, which is part of being able to move workloads around and scale them up and move them from machine to machine, depending on their new, or their current resource requirements. Uh, it's, 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 it's hand in glove with that whole um, CICD moving faster in production and making sure that uh, applications go live faster. So it is it is aligned with the stuff you want. It's not only good for products for machine productivity. And, 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 and it's like this is all about machine utilization. Operational efficiency is all about machine utilization. What you're doing with machine utilization cuts your costs, improves your security, and um, massively reduces your co- your carbon effects. Uh, so, and again, this is why operational efficiency is the most important thing because it's aligned with all the other stuff that we want to do. So we've got DevOps there, um, which is, you know, uh, it's like auto-scaling, using systems like that, um, oh, it's, if you're in the cloud, choosing the right instance types. And this is, this is a, um, a deceptively powerful concept um, obviously, it doesn't apply if you're not in the cloud, but if you are in the cloud, make sure you choose flexible instance types that are the right instance type for your workload. So, for example, one of the, um, one of the most interesting types of auto scaling that, that's available out there, I would say, is the, um, is the burstable instance type, which is available on all clouds. And, uh, what it is, is you pay for a, low level of, or what you think will be your average level of 
resource requirements on a machine. It's not crazily expensive, but a burstful instrument. But the, one of the reasons why, the key reason why we all over provision is because you think, well, mostly I need that, but occasionally I'm going to need enormous amounts of, of um, resources. And if I don't get that, then uh, I'm going to fall over and it's going to be really bad. So uh, in order to meet my SLAs, I'm going to, I'm going to have to over provision to, to the maximum rather than run on the, on the kind of like average level of resources that I'll need. And then, you know, know that every couple of weeks I'm going to fall over. The idea of burstable instances is that you pay for the, the moderate level of, of resource requirements, but, but, uh, for a limited amount of time, you're, um, occasionally when it's needed, your hosting provider will allow your machine to leap up to that, to that large amounts of resources that you need to cope with the peak and then decline again. So, um, burstable instances are a really interesting way of doing, um, uh, auto scaling. I, I, I'm quite, quite happy with burstable, burstable instances. So right sizing is one way of doing it. Uh, another way of doing it is, is to try and, and steer your developers to use platforms that do an awful lot of this stuff for you. So serverless, it does auto scaling for you. Uh, spot instances, perfect. I love spot instances for many, many reasons. They are fantastically good for demand shifting and shaping, which we'll talk about in a, it, which you will hear about in another um, podcast. Spot instances, again, We'll jump in, do stuff for you, and uh, you don't have to worry about them so much. I mean, they, they have a, you have to architect for spot instances. That is not easy because they've got no SLAs and you, you'll have to re- redo everything. But operationally, if you could do that, you've won. That's the perfect um, green operational approach. And if you, where you can use it, use it. And then finally, we'll talk a little bit about um, what is the perfect, the perfect solution here is, is really for you to, to fully take on SRE, Google's SRE principles of CICD, full automation and massive monitoring and acting uh, based on what you see. It, because all of this stuff, it is hard. It is, it is not easy. There's, it's not trivial to do all these things or we would have done them. They're best practice. As, and they are, there are commodity tools available to help you with them, but they are hard. It is well worth looking at Google's SRE principles for how they have moved in this direction because they moved in this direction literally 20 years ago and they've started to rise up and talk about what they did and what they learned. So you're not, you're not having, unlike with code efficiency where we're still in, in, in very early days at aligning code efficiency and developer productivity which we need to do. Uh, with operational efficiency, there are people who've already beaten this track. It's it's not new. You can find out what you need to do. The, the, almost the best thing you can do about being green is to, to, to start improving your operational performance and pro- operational skills. The, the acme of operational skills at the moment is reading some of these Google SRE books. They're scary. Uh, you should be following people like Charity Majors on, on Twitter, uh, seeing what they're doing because they really are, um, they're not doing it for green reasons, but it's really green. It is the, it is the foundation of how we will produce very, very efficient systems in the future. So it's absolutely worth you looking at that. So, so actually today I had so much to talk about. I have, <laughs> I think, I've been able to cover the very, very basic, not, I'm not 
gone into to, to depth on any of these things. But remember, the book is available. You can, there's more detail in the book. Uh, this chapter is available. And um, it is a long chapter. There's a lot in it, but it is well worth reading through. And even that chapter only gets you, only gets you an introduction to what you need to do. But it does give you a good introduction to what you need to do. So go and have a read of it. Uh, you don't actually need, O'Reilly keep reminding me, you do not need an O'Reilly subscription to read these chapters because you can download, you can you can go and, and get a free um, trial and read everything very quickly then, just like, you know, Netflix or um, I, I need to do the Disney low, low uh, price trial so I can watch all the, the stuff on there for a while. But fundamentally, we're all very used to using a free trial to blast our way through the content. If you have anything to do with ops, use your O'Reilly free trial to read this chapter because it's where it's what we need to do next. It's it's utterly, utterly um, key. And, and it is the bits that's aligned with what the rest of your business needs to do. So it will be the easiest sell of any part of, of the green story. But anyway, so I promised go to that I won't I wouldn't overrun this one to the horrible extent that I did the last one uh, on uh, code efficiency. So um, light switch ops, DevOps, SRE, and operational efficiency is the most important thing. Get really good at it, and um, you you will. <laughs> you will win. This is this is the next step for you to take in being green. So thank you very much for listening to me. And I look forward to speaking to you again, which will probably be about the networking chapter. Thanks for listening to this episode of the GoTo Podcast. Head over to gotopia.tech to discover lots more content from the brightest minds in software development.